We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. what was the original show was going to be about, which is kind of carrying on what you and Vince talked about yesterday with looking at the Notre Dame offense, because it's interesting. The Notre Dame offense is not getting the same preseason love that the defense is where what was fascinating about your guys' conversation yesterday is, you know, like all three position groups on Notre Dame's defense, the line, the linebackers and the secondary are ranked as one of the 10 best groups in the country by at least one, you know, magazine, obviously one of, and it's only two of them so far. And, so it's like, you know, there's there's some there's some talent there, but, you know, what? how good will it be? Will they reach that potential? Should they be there? Whatever. Offensively, there's only one group that's even in the conversation right now. Like not even like, – and that's the offensive line. The offensive line was ranked number one by uh, Lindy's. I forgot what Athlon had them. They had them in the top ten. Let me, let me pull up the old Athlon here, Ryan. They had them in the top ten. I just don't think it was number one. They had the offensive line ranked – eighth which i i think is fair based you got, on you got the old athlon i got the old lindy's in no yeah me. no yeah i got my lindy's right here yeah. right so i got the same i think i got the same lindy's as you do is that mayor on the front now i got i got the um so i'm in more in like big 10 country so okay. they actually have they actually have fosky on the front of this one okay which is pretty yeah, i dope. got this one yeah i got yeah. the michael mayor one here for for the for the uh for the viewers out there we okay, got isaiah fosky go. on the front there yeah there you go and then uh mayor's on this one as well so he's kind of hidden behind CJ Stroud and they make Blake Corm, who's like four foot seven, look tall, bigger and taller than Michael Mayer, but whatever. Hey man, it he's five, eight. All right. He's four, he's yeah. five, eight. Give him five, is eight. what it is. Um, I wonder if it's storming outside. Rita just, Rita just crawled down b- below my feet. So I wonder if she's scared of something. So yeah, it's uh, yeah, she's a little scaredy dog. Sorry about that. Uh, so they have a number seven quarterbacks, and, and this one is interesting because they actually rank it kind of by position. They go quarterbacks, running backs, receivers, offensive line, mm-hmm. where normally it's kind of like pass catchers more so, where it's receivers and tight ends, and or they'll kind of count receivers as receivers and tight ends. Notre Dame is obviously not in those. And, and I honestly, Ryan, and this is kind of what we'll go through is I don't know if I would necessarily disagree with that. So let's let's first talk about the Notre Dame offensive line, right? First or eighth, I would say if I had to pick one of the two, 
Mm-hmm. I would probably go again. It depends on what your premise. Like, are you are you going full projection, or are you also kind of taking into account somewhat of what it was last year? I think if you're going full projection, I can understand putting their name one. I wouldn't just because there's a lot more I want to see. There's some lines like Michigan has a lot coming back. I right. it's kind of like you know they won the they won the Joe Moore Award last year. They were good line, a little, little bit overhyped, but they won the Joe Moore Award and they have mm-hmm. what four starters coming back. Something like that, yeah. And and you know, Notre has got a lot of turn. I think the talent. They also M- Michigan also has that center transfer from Virginia, Virginia that was an All American right. last year. Yeah, good player. Uh huh. So I don't know if I'd put him one right now, unless I'm going full projection. Who is number one based on everybody reaches their full potential? Then I think we could have an argument that Notre Dame could be number one. But I'm just not there yet. I'd say I'd probably put him like right in the middle, maybe even closer to where Athlon has him at number eight. Just because there are some answers, some questions that we need to have answered, right, Ryan? I mean, you got two true sophomores to tackle. You've got a center coming back from an injury who you may move to guard, miss the whole spring. You have right. a center stepping, in, another player potentially stepping into the starting lineup at center who started six games last year and was not good. And Zeke Corral. Now we think he is going to be much better based on what he did in the spring and what he did as a center two years ago. And then you have Josh Lug, who's been okay, been solid. So I just I mean, if you're a top 10 group, you're a pretty good group, Ryan. A 10th out of 130 plus teams, I would probably have them closer, like six to eight is the range I would have them. Yeah. Where would you have the Notre Dame offensive line? Again, this is coming into the season based on a combination of proven experience, depth, talent, and your faith that the that they're going to be prepared to play at, at a somewhat strong level. If they if 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 Harry Heastan wasn't coming back, they're not in my top ten. Right. But right. with Harry Heastan coming back, that factors in. So I'd have him like six to eight. Ryan, where would you mm-hmm. have the Notre Dame offensive line and why? We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You know what's really interesting, Brian? When you look at these Lindy's rankings, I feel like some of the uh, some of the positions are ranked more based upon what is what is the 
definites coming back, right? Like mm-hmm. the proven commodities. And then some of these are very projection based because you had right. Notre Dame at number one and Lindy's obviously for the offensive line. They had Ohio state at number two. I'm like, right. That's not based upon last year. Obviously. Oh, like, that's pure projection. Exactly. Yeah. So it's pure projection. I, I think that if we're talking about just projection and talent level, then I'm okay with Notre Dame being ranked number one. Cause if it's just pure projection, but like, let's be honest, they were not a better offensive line last year than Michigan. Like you said, they were not a better offensive line than BYU who BYU has several mm. good starters coming back. Baylor has several, has both offensive tackles coming back and a center that were very good from last year's unit. Oregon has a couple guys. Georgia has the center Van Prawn and Broderick Jones coming back who were good players. So I would say I, – I think that we're in a similar ballpark. I would say seven to nine, six to eight, somewhere yeah. in that ballpark. I would definitely have them ahead of Georgia and Cincinnati and Clemson. Clemson's offensive line being on there is like, wow. That's, that doesn't make any sense. That's that holy sense. moly. Yeah. Like they must really love Jordan McFadden because the rest of their offensive line is just, you know, not yeah. good. Unless they think some of those freshmen are going to emerge this year. But, I guess yeah. they're counting on a junior breakout from Walker yeah. Parks. I, I, don't, I don't know. And then, and then – uh, uh Athlon had Texas A&M fifth and Wisconsin seven. I think Wisconsin could have a good offensive line this year, but I thought A&M being fifth was a little bit of a like uh, they lost their they they weren't great on the offensive line last year and they lost their best player. Yeah, they have they have a couple sophomores. They have Ruben Fathery at right tackle and Bryce Foster, who yeah. are both good players. But like you said, you just Highly lost it. Kids, that sounds like a recruiting yeah. thing, maybe a little bit. Then Ryan, if what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, I, I think so, because they, they're not even in the top 10 for Lindy's from Texas A&M's perspective. And like you just said, they just lost the top 20 pick in um, in Kenyon Green this past draft, too. So and didn't they a, lose their offensive line coach to USC? I believe so. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, definitely, so, it's definitely a new offensive line coach. Yep. Yeah, so, I mean, they, the guy that built the line they had last year is now, now uh, at, at USC. So that one was also a little bit of a head-scratcher to me. Uh, mm-hmm. I was like, I, that one didn't make a lot of sense, but you're always going to have that. Right. And, and that's always going to be part of the conversation. So yep. we would, we're similar range. I think six to nine is sort of the max of what we both had. I was six to eight. You, you threw nine out there. So, I mean, I think that's kind of in that, in that ballpark here. I'm trying to find out who their new offensive line. Steve Adazio is Texas A&M's new offensive line coach. So, I mean, he's a good offensive line yeah. coach. I just, I kind of not a good head coach. Not a good head coach. And I I kind of wonder, like, is he going to be in a situation of like what the guy last year was, Doug Marone? Is like been a head coach. Is he going to be happy just being an assistant coach again? Uh, You know, I I don't know. If he is, then Steve Dodgers is a good football coach. I don't know if he's necessarily better than the guy that they have. He's a good football coach uh, as an offensive line coach. Very good, very good offensive line mentor for sure. So I guess the question now, Ryan, is where do you think this group can be? And what do they got to do to get there? I think for right. me, there's three questions. I think we, I, I believe, Ryan, that they can get to number one. I think that Notre Dame has a chance. I'm not betting on it. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I wouldn't also be shocked either if Notre Dame goes out there, barring, assuming good health and, and has the best offensive line in the country. I, I don't disagree at all. I mean, like I said, if you're, if you're talking just pure projection and talent level, mm-hmm. I think that they are in the conversation right now. Like I could see them getting there because. I mean, there's a lot dependent upon it, right? Like we're talking about, I just mentioned there's two super sophomores on the Texas A&M offensive line. Notre Dame's in the same boat, right? Like they need those sophomores to be dudes and they right. need the rest of the line to kind of fill out. And you need to have Coach Eastan take obviously a next step with some of this talent. But I, I agree with you, Brian. I think, I mean, who are the more talented lines that are on this list other than them? Like, I mean, 
I guess you can make an argument that there's a couple of Georgia guys that are really talented, right? And right. Ohio State, if Paris Johnson hits, like maybe, yeah. okay, cool. I, I, although but, I think Ohio State's talent is a little overrated. A little bit, yeah. I, I don't think Dewan Jones is the guy that people make him out to be. Matthew Jones see, is a nice player, but he's not a yeah. dude. A, a, a little bit of a segue. Did you see the uh, Dewan Jones official measurements, by the way, on the yeah. thing? Oh, yeah. man. That is a oh. big boy. Yes. <laughs> It's one of the biggest offensive tackles I've ever seen, man. For people that have, I mean, obviously nobody else has seen it, but just real quick, the right tackle for Ohio State, Dewan Jones, verified six eight and a half, three seventy, thirty six and a eighth inch arms, eleven and five eighth inch hands. Brian, he had a he had a eighty nine inch wingspan. I've never heard of anything yeah. like that before. So, yeah. but the problem is with Dewan Jones. I talked about this yesterday with someone. I was like. Yeah, that's impressive, but he's not good. So right. that's that's tough. That's a little right. tough right there, you know? Right. So. right. I, I, Yeah, I just I, – I mean, I think Michigan should still be good again. I think that they're going to have – they're going to have a good offense this year, assuming they get the quarterback situation to, to make more plays. Ohio State, to me, has a top 10 line, Ryan. I just think it's a bottom of the top 10, not top of the yeah. top 10. I mean, there's some players – I mean, like I said, Paris Johnson has potential – He's transitioning from what right? He was a right guard last year, correct? To left tackle. Yep. You know, Matthew Jones played a lot of football at Ohio State, started a bunch of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, Luke Whipler's a good football player. He's a, I mean, he's, yes. he's, he's there, Zeke Carell, right? But he's just had a chance to play more because that spot's been open and there wasn't a Jared Patterson there in front of him for the last few years. And of course, you know, there's, there's Jared Patterson. So, you know, they'll have some players, they'll have some talent. It's just, I want to see what I want to see the job Justin Fry can do. I'm I'm more confident that at the, by the end of the year Ohio State will have a top ten line now than I was I would have been if 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 Coach Stud was still there because I do mm-hmm. like Justin Fry as a coach. I think he's a good football coach. I mean, he agreed. That UCLA offensive line was very well coached and they were physical. He did a really nice job at BC. I would have taken him over Jeff Quinn when he interviewed for the, the Notre Dame job, but. I don't know if his net, the tools he's working with are quite to the level of the tools that Harry Heastand is working with in regards to the town around him. I'm just going to be honest with you. Right. And then you have Heastand plus Chris Watt. Not enough people are talking about the fact that Chris Watt is also part of this conversation too. I haven't heard anybody mention that, honestly. I I haven't heard it at all. Yeah. Yeah. It's mentioned here and in Notre Dame circles. Yes. But nationally, I, I don't see, I mean, their graduate assistant coach was a, division one offensive line coach a year ago Mm -hmm. you know there's not a lot of people that can say that and was the ga on the the team that won the you know was a finalist for the joe moore award two years ago so what has to happen ryan you kind of got to it obviously the tackles have got to be as good as we think right they've got to be as good as we think i think that Jarrett patterson has to be healthy i I think that's a big key if he's not a hundred percent the player he was last year then that hurts the line a little bit and then the third piece is it would be very easy to go with to go with Zeke Carell, but I feel like Zeke Carell's at least going to be a solid player if he's healthy. I think right guard's the bigger thing for me, whether it be Josh Lug stepping up and being the player that you know that, that Vince thinks he can be and that I, that he's shown to be at different times. And I only say Vince because Vince he was one of Vince's underrated guys or disrespected guys in our breakdown last week. And you know he's got to step up and be healthy. And if he does, I think that right side could be a really physical, good run-blocking line with Blake Fisher and Josh Lugg. If he doesn't, then somebody like Rocco Spindler or Billy Shrouth or, or Andrew Kristoffic, you know, who's, who's still going to be there trying to, you know, battle for a job. 
You know, I think the assumption is that he gets bumped out of the starting lineup. I don't know if that's a given. It could be maybe it's Josh Lugg that gets bumped out of the starting lineup. You know, there's all types of different battles that will happen. But I, I think that, that to me, the right guard position is the bigger question for me as far as will they be number one or number four or number eight or number ten. I think mm-hmm. that those the tackles got to have to be what we think they're going to be, and, I, and I'm confident of those three things. I'm most confident in that. Yeah. Then Jarrett Patterson's got to be healthy. That's more of a question mark for me. And then the right guard position is probably my biggest concern. It's the thing I'm least confident in of those three aspects. Do you think it's like because obviously offensive line is such a cohesive unit? Obviously, right? It's so dependent upon all five guys. Would you say it's kind of like a you're only as good as your worst soldier type of situation, right? Like, I, Yeah, because I think 2016 is a great example of that. I mean, you had two All-Americans on your left side and Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey, who not, not became All-Americans. They were a second and third team All-Americans that year in 2016. If you go back and watch Alex Bars that year, Alex was pretty good. at He was real solid at right tackle in 2016. His first year as a full-time starter. Sam Mustafer had a solid year. You know, got thrown under the bus by Brian Kelly a couple times because – that bum Sam Mustafer couldn't snap in a hurricane, uh, you know. So um, I'm saying that sarcastically, uh, you know. And, and he had some first year in the lineup mistakes. You know, he had the snap against Stanford that went for a safety, but those things are going to happen in year one. But other than that, I mean, he also had some really good moments. But that right guard position was a train wreck for mm-hmm. most of the year. Once they, and if you look at their production that year, once they put Mark Harrell in the lineup, and Mark Harrell was like a solid player, you know, more of a guy you want as a a good, versatile backup, can play some center, can play some guard, can play some tackle. If you remember Mark Harrell, you're a real solid quality football player, but a guy you'd rather, at Notre Dame, you'd rather have as a a depth piece, you know, a swing guy. That's a really good way of putting it. Mm -hmm. But if you look at once they kind of inserted him in the starting lineup, you started to see the offense start playing better and better and better. I mean, if you look at that year in 12 games, Notre Dame averaged over five yards a carry. See, one, two, three, four, five times. Four of them were in the final five games of the year. No, yeah, five times. Four of them were in the final five games of the year. Mm -hmm. They rushed for over 200 yards in two of the last three games and then ran for a buck 54 against USC would have ran for more, but they fell behind big in the second half. If you remember, first play of the game in that 16 game against USC, Josh Adams runs like 70 yards and, and gets tackled inside the five. You know, so they averaged over five. I'm sorry, those were those numbers were yards per rush, not total offense, the, I mean, yards per rush. So they got a lot better down the stretch when they went to a different lineup and it because it helped solidify things. And, and so – I think there's a lot to what you just said, Ryan, is is one one ask, especially if it's up the middle. Mm-hmm. If it's up the middle, it's a problem. And and what often gets lost in the in the 17 play the 17 line is yes, Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey get a lot of the love, but Sam Mustafer was solid that year. Alex Bars was really good in 2017, really mm-hmm. good at right guard in 2017. And then, you know, Kramer and Hainsey were solid. I mean, they were just they weren't great. They had their moments where they were pretty good. But they were just steady. They didn't have a bunch of young guy first time in the lineup mistakes. They were just, I mean, just across the board, there was a, that was just a, a, a solid group. 2020 was the same way. There was nobody in 2020 that was as dominant as Quentin Nelson was in 2020 or 2017. Right. But they were just really good across the board. 
And when you saw Patterson come out and there was some more uncertainty inside with Lug and Zeke Carell, that's when Notre Dame's offense kind of sputtered a little bit down the stretch was with, was with when they had that, but it's just one position. Cause remember Kramer got hurt and then Patterson got hurt and it just started to create some issues. Actually Patterson got hurt. Then Kramer got hurt. Excuse me. So yes, continuity is a big piece of that, but I think that's also why I have a little bit more confidence in this, in this line. Cause let's say Patterson does get hurt and let's say, let's say Chris Stoffick's your number six. He can play tackle. He can play guard. He can play center. He's your swing. Mm-hmm. If Patterson goes down or Lug goes down, you got a kid that played had started seven games last year and has played played solid football, ready to just slide into the lineup, right? As an insurance piece, yeah, right, yeah. exactly. Let's yep. say one of the tackles goes down. You can either slide Josh Lug, a third twelve game starter at right tackle last year, or you could put Tosh Baker in the lineup, who mm-hmm. I think is going to be better. He got some starts last year. He's going to get better under Coach Eastan. Oh, you know, the point is. Or you can move Christophic out there at right tackle, right? That there's options of guys who have played. And I think that helps protect you a little bit if you do have an injury. And I think that's part of it because you're going to have guys are going to get banged up, right? Like 2015, Quentin Nelson missed two games, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he, you know, he got knocked out of one, missed another, and Alex Barr slid right in and they didn't miss a beat. You know, 2020, Jared Patterson got hurt. And, you know, I mean, guys are going to get hurt. Last year, Josh Lug gets hurt before the bowl game. I mean, they, they had some other things kind of go on. They were – Blake Fisher gets hurt in the opener, right? And 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 then Michael Carmody gets hurt. And, and so you just get in a situation where injuries are going to happen. Mm-hmm. Part of my confidence level for Notre Dame is I think they're going to be okay because there's some good football players that have played that you can slide in. And I think that factors into to my confidence level as well with the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, there's – no matter how the offensive line ultimately shakes out, you now have depth. Like it's, right. it was a shame that there were so many injuries last year and there was so much up and down. But the one positive is that you did get a lot of players playing time last year. And that's like, I, again, I'm right outside of Philadelphia. And that happened for the Eagles two years ago. Guys like Nate uh, Herbig that used to play at Stanford played mm-hmm. a ton. Um, the offensive tackle out of Auburn, his name is escaping me, played a ton. And now they're just rotational players right in the back end. But if someone goes down, you have created depth for yourself through adversity. So it, mm-hmm. it was unfortunate, but it also actually is long-term. It does help the offensive line a little bit as far right. as you feel more comfortable now what the depth looks like. But I, I agree, Brian. I think that Jared Patterson staying healthy and being the, the pillar of the offensive line is critical because he is your one known commodity that's going to be a four-year starter. Like You know what you should expect from Jared Patterson when things around him, especially – are going to be a little better in theory. And mm-hmm. then two, you need those sophomores to be dudes. Like you need mm-hmm. them to be the guys that you think they are. If they are, then I think Notre Dame can have the best offensive line in, in yeah. college football. Will they win the Joe Moore award? We'll see because that's more of a, there's a, there has to be storylines behind that a little bit. In, more, in the right? team, in the team effort, you know, right. you could have exactly. a great line, but if you're averaging 25 points a game, you're probably not winning the Joe Moore award. You know, let's be honest about that. There's a, otherwise, Iowa would probably have more wins. I mean, if we're being honest, and and again, I I don't think Michigan would have won it last year. I think that's with the storyline aspect that you just talked about. I'm sorry, Michigan had a really good offensive line last year. They were not the best offensive line in college football. I mean, just in my opinion, anyway. Mm-hmm. They no, I, I agree with you. So, 
offensive line we talked about, right? And, and we will answer some questions at the end. So if you do have some questions, we will we will have a Q&A at the end. It won't be super long because we went way long on our first couple of topics, but we will definitely get to some Q&A. So if you do have some questions, fire them, fire them in there now, and, and we'll get to them uh, at the end of the show. Ryan, let's talk about the backfield, okay? Sure. Obviously, Notre Dame is not in anyone's preseason top 10 in the backfield. We're going we're gonna to include backfield as quarterback and running back. We're going to talk about them both together, which is what – uh, Lindy's does. And I think for these, it's, if you're going to do the list this way, then I don't think you should have running backs and quarterbacks separated. Like if you're going to go secondary linebackers, D line, O line receivers are going to include tight ends and you should also do it the way Lindy's does it. So we'll just look at it that way uh, is what I think is the way to do it. And that, so that's what we're going to do today. I, there's Notre Dame has no business being ranked in the top 10 of the preseason. I mean, it just, there's so little proven production. And that's the thing is like, there was a, a comment on our message board where, where somebody was a little fired up that the, the, the offensive line or the running backs weren't considered one of the 10 best groups. And if you look at the running back group that are, is coming back, I mean, Lynn, Lynn Athlon did have that and they did not have Notre Dame including the top 10. And with all due respect right now, Notre Dame shouldn't be in the top 10 at running okay. back because they're just, okay. there's just not enough proven production. And I said this in my running back preview online today at irishbreakdown.com they lost more yards last year and just from the 2021 season in Kyron Williams and the 10 yards from Sebo Flemister than they have coming back in career rushing yards at, at running back. They they're barely over a thousand. You know, most of those are from Chris Tyree who missed most of the spring with concussion and battle turf toe last year. So it can't just be a talent standpoint. Otherwise you're just going to put teams that, that have highly ranked recruits on it because they haven't proven anything, but you think they're talented. Quarterback, same thing. Tyler Buckner has no business being listed amongst the ten best quarterbacks in the country coming into the twenty twenty two season because he hasn't he hasn't proven himself to be that just yet. So I think we can be we can make quick work of that part of the conversation, right, Ryan? It's like, yeah, th- no, they should not be in the top ten. I think they're no. probably a backfield. I think they should be considered a top twenty group, in my opinion, with the, poten- with the potential put in there because potential right. is part projection is part of this conversation. And, and so, whereas with the offensive line, we're projecting a line that a bunch of dudes have started games before. With running back, it's kind of like, well, I think Kyron Williams can be a really good player. I mean, Logan Diggs can be a really good player. I think Audrick Estimate can be a really good player. I think Jadarian Price can be a really good player. I think Chris Tyree, when he's healthy, is more like the guy we saw in 2020 and not the guy we saw last year. I think there's a lot of proje- projection, but really comes down to more so the quarterback position is the one where there's the most projection. But yeah, you need to be able to look at the talent and say, yeah, but there's a lot of talent there. And I think that's really where the focus is on. Can this become, and that's the question, Ryan, is can this group become, by the end of the year, one of the 10 best backfields in college football in a year that I think has a lot of really good backfields coming back, in my opinion? There there are. And th- this is why I didn't, don't love the inconsistency from Lindy's anyway. It's because the offensive line, I felt, was pure projection. And this one is much more... Ohio State at one that has their starting quarterback, Heisman finalist, and you know sophomore sensation running back right. in Trayvon Henderson. Like that it's understandable. A, if you did not have the number one, right? You know what I'm going to say, right? You should cancel the magazine. Is, Find is something else to do with your career, right? Exactly. You're not good at this. Yep. I mean, so <laughs> I mean, all I mean, but seriously, all all these teams are like Alabama has Bryce Young and then a bevy of five star running backs that are all and Jameer Gibbs transferring in, right? Then you have USC. That has the die kid, the transfer from Oregon, Caleb Williams. So you have teams that have known commodities. I'd right? still like, say USC is a little bit of a projection with a Caleb little bit. Williams, though. But, a little but bit. to your point, you got a 1,200 yard rusher and a quarterback that 
started for a top 15 team last year. Correct. Exactly. Exactly. So the whole top 10, I mean, the only team that has any projection really is like Michigan at nine. I mean, just because what's uh, the quarterback didn't do great last year. The kid that was committed was to game manager game at one point. Yeah. yeah he, Blake Corum's a good player, but then Texas at 10. I mean, but that Blake is pure was their number two back last year. He was a yeah. change of pace guy. Not, right. you know, Hassan Haskins was their, he was their dude. Yeah. Workhorse yeah. Last year. Agree. And then Texas, obviously, with Bijan is is carrying that because we haven't seen what Quinn Ewers really is yeah. yet. We'll see about that one. But. Well, see, here's the thing, Ryan. I feel like they were even inconsistent within this position group. Because if you're going to produce so much projection, which I kind of feel like they're doing, then Texas should be higher because, you know, Quinn Ewers is a five-star. I wouldn't do it. I'm just saying, like, right, you're gonna, right. because Bijan Robinson, in my opinion, is the best running back college football. Oh, he's back. a dude. That, that he, might, he might end up being the best – running back I've scouted. I've already taken yeah. some like preseason looks at him. The kid is special and yeah, he's really special. He's, he's really good. Yeah. Now the question that the other side is, is what are they going to do at running back? And that that's kind of my thing with Tennessee, Ryan, with, with where they are. I, I get it. Cause Hendon Hooker was really good last year. Sure. They have good backs, but I don't know if, if I, if I would look at their backfield and say that I'm definitely taking them over, for example, like a BYU or I mean, excuse me, a Utah. Mm-hmm. You know, because Utah's got Cameron Rising coming back, right? Yeah. But you know, I, I believe Tavion Thomas is coming back, correct? Yeah. He's yeah. Over eleven hundred yards last year, twenty-one six, touchdowns, six two two forty yeah. this spring. He's yeah. a load. <laughs> I mean, he, he's he's a he's a, you know transferring in from Cincinnati. He's a beast. Yep. Uh, you know, kid, kid. I mean, kid's a good football player. Mm-hmm. And and here's the thing: he had he missed a game against Arizona. He had one carry for one yard against Washington State, one carry for zero yards against San Diego State, and still rushed for 1,000 yards last year. Yep. You have TJ Pledger, I also believe, is coming back this year, correct? Nah, he was in the draft. Is, so is he's he was gone. in the draft? Okay, yeah. that was dumb. You have Micah Bernard coming back, and fortunately for him, he won't have to be covering people like he did in the Ohio State game. Because he's a he's, decent running back, man. He's, he's not he bad. He's a good running back, yeah. yeah. So you look at it, you say, boy, you know, that's, that's a pretty good backfield. With all due respect to Tennessee, I'd probably have them higher. Even mm-hmm. though I definitely think Hendon Hooker is a better quarterback than Cameron Rising, Cameron Rising was a solid, steady, Very game solid. manager type of player last year who can do. He doesn't get enough credit for what he does with his legs, in my opinion. Yeah. He averaged like six yards a carry last yeah. year or something like that. Yeah. 6.7. 6. 7. Yeah. yeah. It was crazy. 99 yards. Six, I mean, because you got to count sacks, count as that. I mean, sacks exactly. are part of, of your rushing yards. And I'm looking at it last year, Utah gave up. Mill only gave up 13 sacks for 85 yards, so I guess he didn't get sacked a ton. Yeah. But still, 499, and, and they don't do a lot of, like, designed runs for him. I mean, he's a, he's a good scrambler, but they'll, they'll, they'll run a read zone, and he'll pull that sucker and take off with it, you know? Mm-hmm. So I, I like that. I don't think that backfield's getting enough – enough do as well i thought bc at number eight was an interesting one it's, i was about to ask you about you because obviously they have the, they have the garwo kid right back at running back who's mm-hmm. actually a good player thousand yard mm-hmm. player very underrated doesn't get much talking point and then they got Dracovic coming back obviously right. so it's it's interesting to say the least i don't it requ- it requires some projection because how's still going to come back and the only reason it requires projection is because of the injury exactly and i always get nervous when a quarterback injures his throwing hand or his throwing wrist. You just right. you don't know how the bones are going to heal. You don't, and especially since they kind of brought him back before he's fully healed. Mm-hmm. You know, did it did it grow back improperly, and you don't have the same snap or the you know whatever? He looked fine in the spring game, but yeah, that's that's one that's got a little bit of projection to it to me. Well, it also it also has projection because they're replacing four or five starters on the offensive, on the offensive line, line too. So right. how effective is the run game? Is it going to be as right. effective as it was last year? Right. So. It's a fair question. 
Yeah. Very, very fair question. Tennessee was an interesting one, but I'm, I'm fine with that. I mean, Will Levis was, I, I don't like Will Levis, the projection he's getting for the NFL. I think that's absurd. Will Levis is a good college football player in that system. Yeah. The bigger talented. question for Kentucky for me is what's their offense going to look like now that they're offensive coordinators in the NFL? That's fair. the bigger question for me. Mm-hmm. What does Notre Dame got to do? Right. Well, what is the what is the max for what Notre Dame can be this year from a backfield standpoint, and what do they have to do to get there? In your opinion, it's a great question. I I mean, I look at this, Brian, and I'm just like, okay, Ohio State, Alabama, that's going to be tough to get over, right? I, but after that, I mean, I you could convince me that Notre Dame gets into the top three to five. I mean, you could if yeah. if Tyler Buckner is what we think he can be. Because if he is what we think he could be and he gives us the dual threat element of the game, then that makes all your running backs better. And I think that that's the one thing about this is all the the running the units that are listed as far as running backs are concerned, most of them just have one dude, right? Like we mm-hmm. talked about Tavion Thomas from Utah that was sitting at number seven. But if Tavion Thomas goes down, they don't really have depth. Notre Dame has right. a lot of depth. It might be unproven. Right. But I really think that, I mean, Tyler Buckner, I mean, the quarterback's always the key, right? But for me... Tyler Buckner's ability as a dual threat quarterback to unlock every aspect of this offense, I think is critical because I think if you are mixing and matching Chris Tyree and hopefully Logan Diggs and Audric Estime and Jadarian Price, I think that that's going to be one of the deeper running back units in all of college football. So it's very dependent upon for me, how good is Tyler Buckner in year one as a starter? Yeah, that's the key because look, there's not going to be a, a, a Trayvon Henderson in this group. There's not as much as I like the running backs. There's not that guy on the roster. There's no Bijan Robinson on the roster. What they do have, however, is some Travis die types, right? Or better. I mean, Travis die was a system guy. He was a product of a system. And, you know, I, Chris Rodriguez, Patrick Garwo, you know, guys like that, like, okay, they have some guys like that, you know, good football players. They have a lot of those. What they don't have is that dude at running back. So for them to be a group that's considered a top five backfield, they're going to need the quarterback to be that dude. And he Mm -hmm. can be, but he's got a lot, you know, he's got a lot to prove. So then it comes down to, okay, is the combination better? So like Patrick Garwo is a good football player. Notre Dame's got three kids at least that have more just God-given talent than him. Oh, yeah. But what they don't have is his proven production. You know what he's going to give you. You know he's going to answer the bell week after week after week. You don't know if this group is what they're going to give you. What you also don't know, Ryan, is is this group going to answer the bell week after week after week just from being there. Chris yep. Tyree was battled turf toe last year. He missed most of the spring with concussions. Logan Diggs tore his labrum in the spring. J- Janarian Price was banged up most of his junior year. Never really missed games, but you know was a little banged up. He's a freshman. He, you know He's not going to be a 180-carry guy. He doesn't have the physique that Trayvon Henderson had last year. I mean, Trayvon Henderson like physically could step in as a freshman, like that dude can be your dude. And even they, even then, Ohio State didn't necessarily put that bell cow roll on him. Yeah, last year they they played other guys to take my, that. My you know, John Williams right. and Master Teague, exactly, and, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So even then, even though he had a better physique for that, he didn't have to be that dude where he's getting twenty, you know, twenty touches a game. Uh, so so. Janarian's not that guy. So if you lose guys, you don't want to thrust him where he has to play 50 plus snaps a game and get 20 plus touches a game. Mm-hmm. And then of course, Jabron Payne, talented as he is, has barely played really any football the last two years because of injuries. 
So I think those are the question marks at running back. It's like, are they going to be able to answer the bell every week? Like Trayvon Henderson is going to answer the bell. Tra- Trayvon Henderson is going to answer the bell every week, right? B. John's right. going to answer the bell every week. They've, at least that's what they've yeah. proven so far. Zach Charbonnet, like those proven right. bodies. He's going to answer right. the Travis Dye is going to step up and answer the bell every week, right? That's what this group has to prove. And then and then quarterback, because if they if they if they're healthy at running back this year, Ryan, the production is going to be there because of what we just talked about with the offensive line. I mean, if if Chris Tyree is healthy and he's behind this line, he's going to average seven yards a carry. You know, he'll he'll get eight to ten carries a game and average six and a half to seven yards a carry and and be a home run. I mean, he hit three fifty plus yard touchdowns last year. And he was, and he wasn't even healthy for much of the year, you know. And and they were clutch touchdowns too, because he had the 96 yard kick return, the 55 yard reception in the fourth quarter against Toledo, and then of course the 53 yard reception against Oklahoma State. So, you know, he's a home run hitter. Jadarian Price can be a home run hitter. You've got a guy like Audric who can be more of a pure between the tackles guy. Logan Diggs, if he can be a more consistent player, and just sometimes it's okay to just get three yards. You know what I mean? You don't have to bounce everything. I think those, you know, the, the talent is there. It's just can they put it all together? At the end of the day, Notre Dame being a top five to ten group is going to come down to the quarterback. And mm-hmm. can can Tyler Buckner produce at a level that puts him in this conversation? But also, more importantly, can he win? I think that's the big part about it. Because, like, say what you want about C.J. Stroud, and he maybe one-dimensional didn't run last year. Kid went 11-2 and put up tons of yards. You know, Bryce Young, his first-year starter, took took Alabama to the national championship game. And would would have a ring right now as a national champion if he didn't lose his two best receivers in their last couple games of the year, including right, right in the middle of that title game. You know, Cam, Cam Caleb Williams is a little bit of a different deal for me, but he had some mm-hmm. he had some real – I mean, it's some moments last year where he looked like a five-star quarterback. For sure. I mean, if, if they don't bring him off the bench against Texas, they lose that game. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's no doubt about it. So I think when you look at it, that's going to be the key. Tyler Buckner is going to have to be that guy that produces and wins a lot of football games. For and sure. if he does that, then I think they have a shot to be in this group. Now, I don't know if I could – I don't know if I would say that I think they get to three because I think Quinn Ewers is going to play at least good enough. I'm not a big Quinn Ewers fan. You know that. Yeah. But I think he's got a great – he's got a great offensive mind coaching him. Mm-hmm. If he's just not an idiot – and that's not a guarantee with Quinn Ewers. If he's just not that, then he's at least going to be good, right? Sure. Like the, and but Bijan is so good, so good that I think that that adds to it. Now, I also think Texas won't. Texas is going to have better depth this year at running back too, Ryan. Uh, Roshan Johnson's a good player, and they yes. also have the um, what's the the is it Keelan Robinson was the Alabama transfer, right? Yes. yes. Yep. Yes. Yep. Yep. So that's the other thing is is. They don't have to rely on him, and I and I believe they signed. Uh, what's his first name? His last name's Blue. Uh, oh, Jaden yeah. Blue. Jaden yeah. Blue. Yeah, no. yeah, Jadon Blue. Something Jadon maybe. Blue. Yeah, something like yeah. that. But like he he sat out last year for you know for uh, because of you know basically he didn't want to get hurt before you know he could get his NIO deals in college. Mm-hmm. He's a really good player, you know, and he's a kid that that can help you as a freshman as well. So they're gonna. That's the other thing about Texas. I would argue that Notre Dame could end up having the deepest running back room in, in college football, but right now I'd probably go with Texas, Texas. or Alabama. Sure. Because I don't think Alabama has that dude. I know Trey Sanders was a five-star, but he's never he, – Well, Jam- Jameer Gibbs is probably going to be their guy. But well, I, yeah. I don't view him as that dude. I think Jameer's like a – I mean, he's never been that at Georgia Tech. No. You know, um, there's a lot of his assumptions about what he'll do. 
right? And and a lot of assumptions. Well, he would have been better behind this, that, and the other. That that may all be true. I, you know, I like mm-hmm. Jameer Gibbs, but let's let's yep. also be honest that you know the the kid rushed for seven hundred forty six yards last year. He averaged he rushed for four ninety two the year before. He's averaging less than five yards of carry in his career. Mm-hmm. So I mean, he's still got a lot to prove. Now he's a great sure. all around player, talent. But yeah. is he like that that take the game over runner? That I don't know. Because, like, Najee right. could do that if you needed him to, right? Like, Brian Robinson sure. did that last year in the, in the semifinal. Can – can you know, so I think there's – there's someone's going to emerge at Bama. I just don't know who that's going to be. Right. You know, and, and will it be anyone that's on the level of Bijan? No. Will they have anyone that steps up and is on the level of Travion Henderson? No, they won't. But they do have depth. Mm-hmm. But I also think that's why Bama's group may end up not having a great one player. But I think that's the group, to me, that compares most favorably to Notre Dame – is because Bama may not have that dude at number one. You know, Trey Sanders may be between the tackles guy. Jameer's mm-hmm. your all do it all everything. You know, you've got Jason McClellan coming back, I believe, on that team. Yep. He's you know he's a good player. It's more of like a you don't have that guy, but man, you got four dudes that can play and they have different roles. And that's kind of how I see Notre Dame. There may not be a thousand yard rusher this year. There may not be. Yeah, but you're just gonna have a bunch of dudes that just have their moments throughout the year and have their roles, and as a whole, the production is there when you include the quarterback. Yeah, well, I think I said in in the one preview show we had where I, I could see Notre Dame having three to five guy, three to four guys, excuse me, that are 500 plus yard rushers right. this year, right? Like I think now, that did you include the quarterback, or you? I include the quarterback back? in that. Yep, quarterback yep. is included in that. Uh, let me ask you this, Brian. I think this is a good conversation piece because obviously the consistency of a run game is obviously dependent on how good an offensive line is. If I told you right now that Lindy's is absolutely correct, Notre Dame has a number one offensive line in the nation next year. Would you go any higher than five? If I guaranteed that to you? No, no, still no. No, because I need to see what happens outside. Fair. I mean, because we saw that in 2020. I wouldn't have said Notre Dame had one of the five best backfields in 2020. And I think they probably had the best offensive line in college football that year until the injuries late in the year. So uh, you see Rita made her appearance. She was getting a little hot under the desk because she went lay down on her bed. Uh, but no, I, I would say no. I, would, I wouldn't guarantee that they'd be top five just because there's some really good top fives. If the next part of the conversation checks out to just be in the top – if they're if the receiving core is in the top 15 to 20, then my answer is yes. If you were to add that caveat, the receiving core, like if we would have done this group last – Mm-hmm. You say the receiving core will finish around 12 to 15 this year. O-line will be number one. Will the backfield be ranked in the top five? I say yes, absolutely. Got it. Because you'll have then enough pressure on the per- – you'll, you'll take enough pressure off on the perimeter that it then opens up some room to run with your backs. Yes. Then I would put them in there. That's fair. That's very You'd also fair. have to promise me one th- one more thing. Does What's Tyler that? Buckner play at least 11 games? Mm. Mm-hmm. That would be the other piece of it. Because yep. as much as I like Drew Pine, you can win a lot of games with Drew Pine, right? You know my stance on Drew Pine, but you're not going to say they have one of the five best backfields. It'd be sure. then they'd basically be Michigan last year if Drew Pine right. was quarterback. Now, look again, they made the playoff because mm-hmm. that game manager, right? That point guard, Michigan had a point guard quarterback last year in Cade mm-hmm. McNamara, like a John Stockton type of point guard. Yeah, but he wasn't winning you games. He didn't need to until you got to the postseason and you played Georgia, and then you needed a guy that could run around and do some stuff because they were getting their butt kicked up front. They didn't have yeah. that, and he couldn't do anything. And that's what's killed Notre Dame so many times is once you get into a situation where your line can't dominate because the other team's pretty good too. Now, they, even if they play well, they're they're not dominating, then you're going to be in trouble if you don't have a playmaker quarterback. And that, that Drew Pine would be Michigan Michigan this year and last year with Cade McNamara quarterback, which, again, 
won a bunch of games. But can you can you beat the best of the best with that? That's a bigger question mark for me. You know, the one team I'm surprised isn't in the top 10, not not saying that I would have them in the top 10, but I'm kind of surprised that from a media perspective that they didn't try to put Georgia in here somewhere with uh, yeah. Stetson Bennett coming back and they have like Kenny McIntosh at running back, who was a big time recruit, yeah. Kendall Milton, like those types of guys. I know, again, we talked about this list more, was more known commodity versus projection, mm-hmm. but I'm surprised that they didn't try to get Georgia in there somewhere. You know who else I'm surprised isn't in there that I think we should have a, a more of a conversation about? And I think it's more of the the power five bias. Why isn't Coastal Carolina in the top ten? Grayson McCall and all those boys. Yeah, yeah. I mean they got two running Reese backs behind for yeah. over a thousand yards last year, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 had success in, against some of the better opponents. So I mean, again, if this is just a, if this is just power five, then sure. But that's a pretty good backfield. There's a lot of power five teams that would love to have Coastal Carolina's backfield. Would you agree with that? I mean, there's several teams on their name schedule that would like to have that backfield if we're being honest about it so that's one that i thought was a i was a little surprised that that group wasn't on there and if bo Nix is back i'm just saying this to tick ryan off if bo's Nix was back auburn is definitely in the top 10 in the backfield oh well too many's (laughs) at oregon now so (laughs) i like bo a lot more than you do but uh uh, tank bigsby's an interesting player that would be more of where it was coming tanks tanks a very talented player yep and then Another team, another sleeper team to, to look out for this year is possibly having a, a group. And you, I think you know where – once I say it, you're going to be like, yep, I knew you were going to go there. Uh-huh. Uh, NC State. That's oh, yeah. another team. Well, they, they lost they lost both their running backs, though, yeah. is the only thing yep. with that. But Leary's going to have good really young good runners, season. though. They got some yeah. good young runners that I like uh, coming back, and then I really like Devin Leary. That's what I said, sleeper team. Like, that's a team that I could see jumping into that when the season's over with. So that's that's the backfield. Ryan, let's talk about pass catchers. This is receivers and tight ends. And I think what's funny is you have to include the tight ends here because where else will they be? You're not putting them in at the offensive line, and there's no category for tight ends. So I'm assuming that they're with the receivers. I was a little surprised that Alabama was ranked number one by Lindy's. Over Ohio State, yeah, same. Not only that, but over Ohio State, over USC. I mean, there's a couple groups. I mean, like, I mean, are you just basically saying that you're just assuming that, you know, Burton's going to be a Jermaine, dude. And, yeah. You know, Jermaine, like, Jermaine, Jermaine Burton and the other transfer they had from yeah, um, Louisville. From Louisville. Harold. They, Harold, yeah. They have to be dudes. And I, I think, I guess the they separation is. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I know. I yeah. know they weren't dudes, but you 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 need them to be dudes, I guess, right. for this projection because Ohio State's obviously going to be better at wide receiver. I guess yes. the separator is. Cameron Latu versus whoever's the tight end from Ohio State, sure. I guess, is the separator. Sure. I mean, and Latu's good. Because I know they lost the. Is, I know they lost Ruckert. Isn't it um, Stover? Isn't it Keith Stover? Is it going to be Stover? I think I he's one I'm of not them. Sure. I know I we think, have an I Ohio think G. State Scott, fan. G. Scott's a tight end, I think. In yeah, that Archer's now, so. uh, Archer four five two is an Ohio State fan in our chat, so uh, maybe he can let us know who who's expected. He said Kate Stover. Kate Stover. Uh, you know who Notre Dame recruited as a as a as an edge player. Is really athletic kid, but so did they. He was an originally yeah, a defensive man. Throw to the tight ends a ton. Ever. I think the tight end is is more integral. Alabama needs a tight end that's productive because of the way they run their offense. Ohio State doesn't need a tight end that catches. They're like Oklahoma to me. You know, I think they don't need a tight end to step up and and be a good player. They can make do without it. I think the other thing about Ohio State this year is they're going to be bigger at receiver than they were last year. 
which means I they needed Rucker to kind of provide that big bodied presence in the pass game last red, year. Red so, zone. There you go. Yeah. Yep. And and so I don't think that's as much of a need now as it was last year because they've got Marvin Harrison who's six four. Because Emeka is going to be in the rotation most likely this year. If Julian Fleming is able to get in the rotation, he's not tall, but he's a you know thick, strong kid. I think when you look at it, I don't think they need that tight end as much. And, you know, you just look at what those receivers did. In the, I mean, we saw a glimpse of what this receiving core is going to look like against Utah. Mm-hmm. Now, the caveat is, is they were beaten, converted running back because of the injuries. But still, there were some good players at Utah, and they just destroyed Utah secondary. And it was this group. I mean, everybody that was dominating that game, I believe, is coming back. Correct, Ryan? Because yeah. Olave and Garrett Wilson, neither one of them played in that game. So mm-hmm. I'm I'm just looking at what this group has proven. There's nobody in Alabama's depth chart that can sniff Jackson Smith and Jigba right now. Who is as a player? Who, who is their leading receiver coming back that was on the team last year? Is it Jacory Brooks? I, I believe so. Because you said because you said it was on the team last year. And Harold right. had like 400 some yards last year. It wasn't even like he was dominant. Yeah. Jermaine Burton had 26 catches for 497 yards last year. Yeah. Like now you could say, well, that offense is different. I mean, that's, that's fine. Yeah. But, Burton, but, Burton was misused. There's no doubt, but yeah, I mean, there's not a lot fine. of, there's not a right. resume on right. him. Exactly. Right. Whereas I can, I can point to Jackson Smith and Jigba and say, he's in the conversation for the best receiver in all of college football, Sure, much less better than anybody that Alabama has. I'm trying to look up Alabama's uh, stats from last year. Now, Ryan, it would be, yep. I mean, Cameron Latou is your overall leading receiver last year. That was right. 26 catches for 410 yards. Which is pretty good after for a tight end. That, right. After that, it's Treshawn Holden, 21 oh, catches for 239 yards. Ja'Cory Brooks, 15 for 192. Mm-hmm. JoJo Early, 12 for 148. Javon Baker. Javon Baker left, right? Yeah, Javon I mean, Baker and yeah, um, the other just, freshman. Yeah, a guy A. Hall. Yeah. I yeah. mean, so and I'm and I'm, you know, you look at Ohio State and they've got Jackson Smith and Jigba has more production coming back than than the, the, their entire receiving core combined. Mm-hmm. Maybe double. I mean, even even, definitely not double if you include the transfers, but even if you include the transfers, he had more yards last year, I believe, than their entire receiving core. So putting Bama number one didn't make a lot of sense to me because Bama's wasn't better than their receiving core last year Mm -hmm. when they had. And and yes, they both lost two guys. But the difference is, is Alabama lost all their starters. Ohio State lost two. And the guy they have coming back had more production than those other studs. Now, part of it's because yeah. those teams, you know, he was able to get a lot of single matchups, but I, I, I can't buy, I can't buy Bama being number one, but you look at the group. I'd ha- I have no beef with Notre Dame not being in the top 10 right now, even with Michael Mayer. And I think you could maybe make a case like some of these groups at the bottom, like Houston, you know, Wake Forest has some good players coming back. Here's the thing I'll say though, Ryan, mm-hmm. if you're going to put Michigan sixth, then Notre Dame should be in the top 10. That That's my thing. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. 
When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, Michigan has Eric All coming back, right? They have at a tight lot ends. Of bodies. Yeah, they have a lot of got. They have a lot of names. They have like Cornelius right. Johnson and um, Andrell Anthony, like Roman, I, Roman Wilson, Mike Sainstrill, Bell, Ronnie Bell. Ronnie Bell comes back from injury. Yep. yep. Andrew Anthony did some did okay down the stretch, but it's like, um, yeah. I mean, Lorenzo Styles basically has similar to production in all their receivers other than Cornelius Johnson last year. Mm-hmm. And with all due respect to Eric All, and I did not mean that to, uh, to sound like it did none of those guys are in the same universe as Michael Mayer as a player. I mean, I mean, if we're, I mean, if we're being honest and this is not a biased thing at all, Michael Mayer combined just with Lorenzo styles, what he did as a freshman should be over Houston. I know they had Nathaniel Dell, who was a good football player, but like, come on, man, like, let's be honest here. Wake Forest had another, they're another one. That's really one good wide receiver, AT Perry. He's a really good player. There's no doubt. But I mean, Michael Mayer was the best, Jacari Robertson is he coming back? He's gone. NFL. So, yeah, so that would be my yep. question. That would be yep. Taylor Moran's a good player, but again, it's a lot of young guy projection. And let's be honest: if Lorenzo Styles played at Wake Forest last year, not at Notre Dame, he would have had the production that those other guys had coming back. Yep. And, and so that's kind of that's kind of my point with this: is is if you're going to put Michigan like just in theory, without looking at who's in there. In theory, I'm okay with Notre Dame not being in the top 10. Mm-hmm. Where I have an issue is when you start looking at actually who they have in the top 10. And then it's like, okay, I don't understand this one. I, I, one that pops out to me is I think Maryland should be over Michigan. They have the yes. Demas kid and the Rakeem Jarrett kid both yes. coming back from Maryland. I think they should yes. be over Michigan. I didn't realize that Jacob Copeland transferred in there either. Yes. yes. Who's, who's a talented player yeah. that was hindered by a Florida offense over the last couple Correct. of years. Yep. Yeah, I definitely don't have them. And then Georgia coming back, I thought that's all based on their tight ends. I mean, it has to be because their receiving core situation is not exactly, yeah, in they my have opinion, like, like super sexy. At this, they have Kyrus Kyrus Johnson and their, right. I, I mean, Jackson Kyrus Jackson and who wasn't I think, healthy last year. Who wasn't healthy? I think Eric right. Gilbert's going to play wide receiver for him. Like he's not going to play tight end. I don't think. Yeah, right. I right. I mean, Lad McConkey was their number. Two pass catcher last year behind Who's Burton. Solid. Who's solid? Right. I mean, if right. you're trying to build your 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 top five pass catcher resume around him, uh, you know, I'm not sure. And the other one is I thought Virginia being in the top five was a little was a stretch as well. I don't know, the man. They got some dudes. The they got some dudes there, but I'm yeah, not putting them in the top five. I'm not fair. I think that's more of a byproduct of of who. Because here's the thing: look at what happened when they played Notre Dame without the quarterback. Sure. They did nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. If you've got dudes at receiver, a quarter, a decent quarterback should at least be able to get you more than three points against a good defense, right? Sure. And it's not like Notre Dame had their 2018 defense last year. They did nothing when you took him out of that game. And they played a team with a real defense. That's the other thing is like, yeah, you know, you finally played a team with a real defense and look what happened, right? And that was it. Miami is another one too that I thought like they kind of got exposed a little bit as being system guys because Miami had some athletes and they kind of, you know, they ended up winning the game. Miami choked it away, but 
I just I thought it was more system driven. You know, again, good college football players. Mm-hmm. And what's the name of the kid that I really like? You know, I'm talking about the outside Don, kid, Dontavian Wicks. Yes, yes, yeah. I like him good a lot. Player. He's a good player. Katoan Thompson's a nice player, but again, last year he had matchups against Notre Dame that you're thinking a kid with his ability should be able to take advantage of. They do have um they do, do it. You know? One thing that buoys them a little bit is they do have Lavelle Davis coming back from injury. He's like the yeah. six seven skyscraper that yeah. averaged like twenty five a catch right. as, as a freshman or something. Yeah, I mean oh. we'll see. I think it. You know, again, they, Jelani Woods was a, a nice player for them. You know, uh, Bill, Billy Kemp's not coming back for them, is he? Billy Kemp is coming he's back. Coming back. Yeah. He's really yeah. like, is he like their version of Hunter Renfro? Dude, I, he's got to be a six year senior. Yeah, right? that dude's freaking be. old. He's been around yeah. for a minute. He sure has. Um, yeah, he's been around for a while. So, yeah, he's – shoot, goodness gracious. So, again, good players, but I'm just like, am I putting them ahead of Maryland? I mean, just the talent in the room? Like, whose roster would you rather have? I think it's a debatable. I think it's debatable. I, and that's mm-hmm. the whole point is I don't know if I would love them. Now, here's the bigger question, Ryan. Yep. Where can Notre Dame get to that? And then what needs to happen for, for them to get there? With, with- – I mean, with with tight end in the conversation, obviously, at least in the Lindy side of things, right? Like, I'd say they can get to five. Like, I'm I'm just they can get to four or five. I think okay. so. I think. I mean, one so thing just looking at this group. Yes. Right? Yes. Like, I I mean, I again, Alabama, Ohio State, mm-hmm. USC. After that, I think is going to be a really dynamic team. Yep. After that, though, I can make an argument that if, at their peak, four or five is very attainable. I think. I if, think USC should be ahead of Alabama right now. For being honest, sure. And they got yeah. the Bolitnikov winner coming. But now, I mean, there's the cohesiveness. Mario Williams is coming back. He's better than yep. anybody Alabama has coming back, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they don't have a ton of depth, but that two duo right there to me is better than anything Alabama has. I mean, to me, I would have it: Ohio State one, USC two. That's fair. If we're just talking pass catchers, I yeah, mean, they have, that, they, have the, they have the they have the Bryant kid on the team still. Right. Gary, What's Bryant, it, Gary Bryant? Bryant. Yeah, he's, a and now he's in a role where he's their three or four, which mm-hmm. then is more conducive to what type of player he is. He take you know take some of that pressure off. So yes, I, 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 I mean, just looking at this group based on where they are, I mean, there's no reason I don't think they could get to four. A lot has to go right, right. But when you have the best tight end in college football, if if you know that's what we believe at, at Irish Breakdown. Mm-hmm. It's certainly possible. I mean, if Georgia's going to get the five with just tight ends, I mean, Notre Dame should be able to be in that kind of conversation. And I would argue that Notre Dame's returning receiver situation is better than Georgia's returning receiver situation, in my opinion. Because especially with Kyrus Jackson's injury history. I mean, he's got a lot of production, but I'm not trading him for Lorenzo Styles. Mm-hmm. You know, so now Notre Dame's got a lot to prove, right? That's the big thing here. Right? It's a lot like the running back position. Right now with Notre Dame, this argument outside of Mayer, it's all projection, right? Um, with the exception of Mayer and Avery Davis. And that's where I think Notre Dame's receiving core is not getting enough respect. They're not getting Avery Davis is not getting enough respect for what he's done the last two years and the kind of player he has been. And not just numbers wise, but look at the moments in which Avery has had his best games. Mm-hmm. Right, he's made his biggest plays. It's been clutch moments. I mean, making a huge play at the end of the Clemson game to send that game two huge plays against Clemson on that final drive to tie the game up. I think they have a shot to get there. There's a long road between here and there. Long road. Braden Lindsay's got to stay healthy. That that's yeah. that's number one. Somebody's got to emerge in the boundary, and and it can't be Lorenzo full time. 
somebody's got to step up and, and be able to play there, whether it's Colsey, Jaden Thomas, Tobias Merriweather. The problem with Notre Dame is the depth is such a big question mark right now that yeah. it's like a couple injuries and, and it's a problem. And then also a tight end, somebody's got to emerge as the number two tight end. So that's what I'm saying. Like right now, I'm I'm totally fine with Notre Dame not being a top ten group. I'd say probably what around like fifteen to eighteen is is right now probably where where you'd have them maybe. Maybe even a little higher. I might say twelve to, twelve to fifteen, maybe somewhere in that mm-hmm. ballpark. Yeah. Now, and I'm looking at this list. They had to have. They had to hold on a second. Let me see here. All right. So USC third. There's no mention of Jordan Addison. In this, so I got to think this is written probably before. printed. Yeah, yeah right. I got to right. think this is written before that. And then they mm-hmm. had Pitt ranked number six in Athlon. Again, that has to be with Jordan Addison. So that's right. another thing to factor into with these groups. Athlons was even worse. They had Georgia number two. Oh, that's absurd. <laughs> that is, that is, you're hoping that Eric Gilbert is a dude yes, conversation yes. right there. Yeah. Right. Like, when was the last time a team that didn't have any legit? one or two number one or two receivers but had two great tight ends was that kind of team Come on. right that's yeah now that's that's I, I think for notre dame to get there though brian I, I do think that they have an opportunity to get the four or five just based mm-hmm. upon this list michael mayer's a known thing right like you're right. you're gonna he's gonna be a dude there's no doubt about that barring an injury or yep. some unforeseen thing like that but you need i really think you need at least needs to also be i mean yeah i'm gonna let you but yep. i think you have two known commodities if he's healthy you right. know what Michael Mayer is. He's a dude, but you also know what Avery Davis is, which is a really good, steady slot player. That's won't blow you away with big time production, but he's a good football player. Now, because yep. I yes. think you and I are going to be on the same page with what's next, so please, please continue with what else needs to happen. You need a dude at receiver. So, I, in my opinion, that should be Lorenzo Styles. You mm-hmm. need him to be the guy, right? Like he needs right. to be your go-to wide receiver, and then you need Avery Davis. And the rest and the rest of the receiving core to be good, solid contributors to your passing mm-hmm. game. So I think you have a dude at tight end. You need one absolute dude at wide receiver, and you need a bunch of consistent good as the rest of the other spots. That's mm-hmm. what I see. As you need it. Agree. I think I think Lorenzo has to step up because I think Braden Lindsay is key to this thing too. I think Braden Lindsay might be even more important than Lorenzo, and I'm going to make this argument why. If Lorenzo steps up and is a dude this year, I'm talking like 50 to 60 catches, eight to 900 yards. Like, cause again, he's sharing, you know, he's sharing t- running game, you know, dude, meaning he's a matchup problem. Not dude is in like 90 catches for 1400 yards. I'm talking about where you just got to, def- you've got to have a game plan for him. 60, 60, let's say 50 to 60 catches minimum, eight to 900 yards minimum seven, eight touchdowns, like great number two compliment to Michael Mayer. He's that dude. That's great. But I would say you could you could say if Lorenzo's just good and Avery's just good and Deion Colsey and Jane Thomas come and Device Merriweather as a trio are just good, that's a really good receiving core, right? Like that's a top 10 group. But my I would always go back to, but what could really launch into that upper stratosphere is if Braden Lindsay can be healthy and get back to the guy he was in 2019. If you can give this offense a guy that only needs 30 to 40 touches the whole year, and I'm talking co- total touches, I'd say 40 to 50 total touches. That means reverses, uh, jet sweeps, you know, all that stuff, which is what we saw from him in 2019. He only had 40 touches in 2019, or excuse me, he only had 20 touches in 2019. Let's just say he doubles that because he plays the whole year. Okay. 
He has 35 to 40 touches. That's it. You're talking about a guy that's going to have eight to 800 to 1,000 yards of production on 40 touches with the kind of player that he can be, if he can be that guy. That's the key. Mm-hmm. Now, you don't have that dude, but I would argue if Lorenzo's just solid and Avery's solid and, and that other group is solid and Mayer's a stud and you have this home run hitter over here, that's going to make Styles better. It's going to make Avery better. It's Because you can't – if you've got to worry about every time Braden, Braden Lindsay's on the field for him running, it, running by you, because, again, he's not going to be an 80-catch guy. That's not his game. Right. He's not. Oh, he's not Will Fuller. They have different games. But if Braden can be a 40 touch guy that's averaging 20 plus a touch with Chris Tyree and Jadarian Price and Audric Estime and hopefully at some point a healthy Logan Diggs with a type of runner that Tyler Buckner is, that is that final piece that could make this Notre Dame offense special. And I think that's the one thing, even with Lorenzo, I don't know if I view Lorenzo as that type of player. I think Lorenzo can be a big play, big a big play guy, but I don't know if he's that guy that you're always worried about him running by you. If that makes sense, like Lorenzo to me, and and, and please understand where I'm going with this. If we're talking about types of players, you know, there's there's Will Fuller, and then there's Devonte Smith, right? Stylistically, I think Lorenzo is more Devonte Smith than Will Fuller. Devontae Agreed. Smith could beat you over top, but he didn't make his living running by you. you. You know what I mean, Ryan? Like now, again, I'm not saying Lorenzo is Devontae Smith or Will Fuller. I'm just comparing using a, a, a well-known type of player to say Devontae Smith, Will Fuller, similar production, right? If you project out Will Fuller, two extra games like Devontae had in a different offense, but very di- got to it very differently. And then Will Fuller's not as good as Devontae Smith. You guys understand the, the point that I'm making here. Yep. Lorenzo is more of a Devontae Smith in a route runner, you know, take short plays and turn them long. Occasionally can run by you, but Devontae Smith didn't make his living. Now the first big play he ever made was a vertical route, right? But he didn't make his living with just running posts and goes all day. Like Henry Ruggs did. He was a guy knows how to get open. He's working himself free. He's catching the ball at 15, 20 yards and then making doing damage. Right. Right, and that to me is is more Lorenzo. Where Braden Lindsay's that guy that your safeties better be aware of him on every single play. And if they're worried about him, how are they defending Michael Mayer? How are they <laughs> defending Lorenzo? How are they defending Chris Tyree? How are they defending Buckner out of the backfield? You know what I mean? And so that's why I say, even though there's a case where where Braden Lindsay could be their third or fourth most productive pass catcher, he could have the biggest game plan impact on the entire roster. And I'll say this too. I think that's especially true in the opener against Ohio State because who's the one guy that Ohio State's not going to be spending all summer saying, we got to make sure that guy doesn't beat us? It's going to be Brayden Lindsey. Yeah. They're going to be worried about Avery Davis on third down. They're going to be worried about Mayer. They're going to be worried about Lorenzo because of what they've proven. The one guy that they're not going to be like, hey, let's have a game plan for number zero. That's not, it's not who – that'll be his chance to say, okay, single cover me. All right, mm-hmm. cool. Put yeah. this guy – put Cameron Brown on me one-on-one, please. You know. Um, and I think that's where you could see even early on he could have that impact. Poten- potential first round pick, Cameron Brown. Is that who you're oh talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so I had to throw that in there. Yeah, man. you did. Just trying to fire me up today. You know, you know, someone just reminded me in the chat there, Brian. You know, there's another team that's an interesting team to maybe be in the top ten, at least close, mm-hmm. is South Carolina with um, 
They had Austin Stogner transfer in from Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. They have Jaheim Bell at tight end last year, who's a really talented player mm -hmm. coming back. They had Josh Van at wide receiver, who's a good football player as well. Yeah. So just you yeah. know, another another team to think about. On yeah, the I don't know, man. Can Stogner uh, fill the shoes of your boy Nick Muse? I don't know. I love I Nick Muse, know. man. I have a soft spot for Nick Muse. He was such yeah, a solid I just, player. My thing is, I just don't know who their who their second receiver is going to be. That's fair. But I'll say this: they're going to have. You look at like Josh Van, for example. I didn't know he was coming back. He was a senior last year. That COVID thing is a beautiful thing. Yes, it is. Um, Josh Van's a nice player. I like him. But the thing that hurt him last year is, I mean, they were a hot mess at quarterback, man. And sure Spencer Rattler is like he's walking in such a different dynamic. Before it was like, hey, are you the next Kyler Murray? Are you the next, you know, Baker Mayfield? And now it's like, please be better than Luke Doty. Please be better than Jason Brown. Please please be better than the guy that we brought in because we were going to have him be a coach and had to turn him into a player. Oh, man. You mean the assistant coach turned quarterback who <laughs> lost his starting job at North Dakota State? <laughs> that guy? Exactly. Oh, that guy started games for South Carolina. Zeb Noland, man. What a you legend. Know, so what a legend. he's walking into such a different dynamic now. And here's the funny thing. He was the best quarterback last year. <laughs> That's the even sadder part. Yeah. I mean, look, seven touchdowns, one interception, seven yards, 7.3 yards per attempt, better than all the other quarterbacks they had. So now Spencer Rattler doesn't have to be that Heisman Trophy winner, number one quarterback to, to, to help his team win. He just needs to be. Just be yourself. Just just make the plays that can get you there. Just run the offense. When you get a chance to make a play, make a play. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be the key. And, and and so now here's the thing I will add to this about Michigan. And I made the comment earlier about Michigan. The one thing that could change this a little bit is if J.J. McCarthy is able to get healthy and win the starting quarterback job. Because I think if you can add a dynamic athlete at quarterback, and I think J.J. McCarthy is, is, is not – he's not Tyler Buckner as an athlete. He's got a big arm and he, can, and he is athletic. Mm -hmm. If you can add that element to the to the running to the quarterback position, it's going to help their playmakers because they don't have to be dudes per se. Because mm -hmm. now you have a quarterback that can actually make can raise your level of play up. So part of my I'm not sure I'm buying Michigan at six thing comes from the thought of Cade McNamara still being the starting quarterback. But even still, I still believe Notre Dame has more potential than Michigan does simply because Michigan has got way more proven production. But if everybody plays to their potential, there's nobody at Michigan that I'm trading for Lorenzo Styles. There's nobody at Michigan that I'm trading for Michael Mayer. Nobody. There's nobody at Michigan that I'm trading for Tobias Merriweather with all due respect to their young receivers. So the, uh, and I would make the case for Deion Colsey as well. So the God-given talent in Notre Dame is better, but the difference is Michigan's got a lot of dudes that have caught passes sure. and in big moments. And I think that's the difference for me. So um, those are some of the caveats. But I do I do think I would say probably more comfortably in the bottom five, everything would have to go right for Notre Dame to get in the top five. For sure. Me. You know, uh, but the potential's there. It's just I'm more confident that some of the other groups are going to get into it as than, than maybe I am at that position, just because there's so much to prove. So much to prove. In you know, it's a, a weird team that's in the top that I just noticed. I didn't even notice Oklahoma at number eight. Yeah. Do they have anything ba coming back besides Marvin Mims? I mean, Stock Stockner transferred, right? Mario Williams transferred. Yeah. Uh, do they have uh, Mike Woods went into the draft last yeah. year? Do they have anything? Jadon Hazelwood didn't do a whole lot for them last year, right? They did get some grad transfers. Let me let me let me look at that. They did get some guys to transfer in. Let me. Let me look at who that is. And, and like they also lost, they had a really good freshman receiving core projected to show up. And then they like Luther Burden flipped to Missouri. And 
they lost some of those guys. Let me see who they got. I thought they had a couple like grad transfers I know, coming in. I know they got they they got Dylan Gabriel, the quarterback from UCF, right? Yeah. I, yeah. I, I kind of like got, Gabriel a little bit as far as the college the, quarterback goes. But. They got the kid with the best quarterback name in the country. Um, oh, um, General Booty. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> they did get Javion Hester from Missouri. He transferred in. Uh, let's see here. He had. J.J. Hester, he had 12 catches for 225 yards. He's a big play guy, big, 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 big play guy. Uh, L.V. Bunkley Shelton from Arizona State transferred in. Okay. Uh, I thought the other receiver was better to me, in my opinion. Um, Pearsall was a better player. But, you know, he played last year, played 12 games, had 33 catches, 418 yards. Uh, He transferred in. Where, where did where did Pearsall end up? He was actually a decent player for Arizona State. He's not a bad little. That's player. That's a good question. I honestly do not know. Gotcha. I, I honestly do not know. I'd have to go look. I, did he make a decision? I thought he did. I thought he did transfer somewhere. Okay. I could be wrong. Though. Was Ricky, Ricky, Ricky right? right? Ricky Pearsall. Yeah. 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 He's a good. He's a good player. Let's see where he. Let's see where he ended up. He supposedly he, runs in like the Florida. Okay. Florida. He yeah. supposedly runs in like the high four threes. Apparently, someone told yeah. me. So yeah. yeah, we'll see. So I mean, they they had some decent players transfer in, but I'm I'm not I'm not buying the the top ten thing. I think there's some other groups that should should be in there. I do like Marvin Mims, but yeah. you know.